Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. I'm going to run you all over the Word tonight. We're just going to let the Word of God do the work. A special word I felt like God laid on my heart. And let me just give you a, a quick little history to why I felt impressed by the Spirit to deposit this into the life of the church. Two weeks ago, maybe it was a week and a half ago, um, I went to bed just exhausted. How many of you, when you go to bed at night, I mean, you are done. You, you got nothing left in the tank. Head hits the pillow. You're almost asleep before you just lay down. Your body just kind of, I mean, I, I'm exhausted. I'm spent. I think that's the way you ought to live life, you know, live each and every day giving everything you've got. Cross the finish line with nothing. And so I w- went to bed and fell straight asleep and w- woke up probably about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Looked at the clock. Oh, man, it's 2 o'clock. And then I'm awake. And then my mind just starts racing. Okay, how many of you, your mind is very active and it's hard to unplug, it's hard to just shut it off. Yeah, so it kind of, the wheels start spinning and I start thinking, I start thinking about stuff. How many know there's always stuff to think about? Oh yes, my body's exhausted, but my mind is very much awake and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about problems that need to be solved. I'm thinking about decisions that need to be made. I'm thinking about bills that need to be paid. I'm I'm thinking about the finances of the church. I'm thinking about the health of the staff. I'm thinking about the weekends. I'm thinking about our Highland campus. I'm thinking about what God is doing internationally. I'm thinking about launching the campus in Denham Springs. I'm praying about LSU. I'm thinking about the footprint. Come on now. You saw what I did right there. Saw that. Saw that. And so, man, so the wheels are spinning, and I'm thinking about certain challenges and obstacles. How many of you know there's always a battle to fight? Always a battle to fight. Um, Jesus said, in this world, you will always have tribulation. So that tells me that something's always going to be going on, especially if we're taking ground for the kingdom of God and the enemy is losing ground. How many of you have discovered that the enemy is not going to give up without a fight? So there's always the context of struggle. You know, even when the very first time the the word church was mentioned in scripture, it was by Jesus. In Matthew 16, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell. It's interesting how the very first time the word church is mentioned in scripture, it's in within the context of struggle. He says the gates of hell will not prevail. So I'm laying in bed and two o'clock becomes three o'clock. I look over at three o'clock becomes four o'clock. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and so all the, I'm doing mental gymnastics. It's like my, my, my mind is a banana tree and there are a million monkeys jumping up and down. And I just can't keep it straight. And I'm thinking, man, I'm looking at the clock thinking, I'm tired. I need to get to sleep. How many of you have ever tried to force yourself to sleep because you know that you need sleep, and when you don't get sleep, you're going to be a bear, and things are not going to work out well for you. And so, you know, you're, I'm trying to force myself, okay, I got to shut my mind down. I got to turn all of this off, and, you know, one thing leads to the next thing, and the next thing, you know, I just felt like worry, a big old ball of worry and fear and frustration and stress and anxiety. Now, I know some of you, this may disappoint you. Because you're thinking, man, Mike, you are the man of the hour, God's tower of power. What are you talking about? 
You, 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 this doesn't happen to you. You wear a cape. You have S on your chest. I mean, you leap tall buildings in a single bound. Can I tell you, I got some kryptonite just like the rest of us. Can I have a good amen? amen. Uh, don't you thank God for honesty in the pulpit? I'm not trying to fake anybody out. God and I, we know exactly how this works. And so I thought, you know what? Five o'clock rolled around, and I thought, I got to get out of bed and get my day started. And so that whole night, ooh, I just, I was frustrated. And I got, I was just mad at the devil. That devil stole my night of sleep. So I said, okay, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach a message about worry and fear and anxiety and stress, and I'm just going to kick the devil in the teeth. Because if he's going to keep me up for three or four hours, guess what? Then we're going to keep him busy for a little while. So I want to talk to you about worry. How many of you, this, this kind of, uh, you know this topic uh, uh, somewhat well. How many of you have personal experience in stress, anxiety, fear, and worry? Okay, a few of us do. Um, what are the things that we worry about? We worry about, how many of you are parents tonight? We worry about our kids, don't we? Helicopter moms and dads, we like to hover. Man, it's our kids. Man, nothing more important than our children. Uh, we worry about safety. We have insurance for everything. Um, we worry about our jobs. We worry about money. We worry about traffic. We worry about losing weight. Come on, somebody. Uh, we worry about the weather. Uh, we worry about finding the right one. Uh, we worry about uh, what other people think of us. How many ever worried about that? You know, when I was in my 20s, I used to worry about what everybody thought about me. What are they thinking about me? What are they thinking about me? Does he like me? Does she, am I pleasing people? When you're in your 20s, you worry about what everyone thinks. When you're in your 30s, you don't care what anybody thinks. And then you're in your 40s and 50s, and you realize, ain't nobody been thinking about you at all. Come on. We, we worry about getting old. You know, we start feeling aches and pains in our bodies. We start knowing that the weight distribution in our bodies is a little different than when we were in our teenage and our early 20s. Can I have a good amen? I worry, I, sometimes we worry about old man wrinkle, you know. I used to think, you know, my, my grandparents and even my parents, I'd, you know, get together and they always talk about, you know, the new aches and pains and doctor's visits and prescriptions that need to be filled. I'm thinking, man, that'll never happen to me. <laughs> it's happening. I wake up and my body's talking to me. Now, how many of you are 25 and under? Let me see. Any 25 and under? Okay. I realize, I realize for all of you young whippersnappers, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, but I realize if you're under 25, you're thinking, this will never happen to me. You know, and oh, getting old, old man wrinkle, that'll never catch up with me. Okay. All you youngins, let me tell you this. For those of us that are in our 40s and above, we want you to know something. We love you. And we're praying for you. But you're going to get old. And it's going to make us happy. You know, my body's changing. It's not the same as it used to be. Weight distribution and all that stuff. I mean, you know, I used to be filled out in other places. And now I feel like it's kind of gathering right here at the equator. <laughs> We worry about, you know, as pastors, I worry about this. Will anybody show up at church? I do. I know it's strange. I know it's weird. You think, my big old building, this, this great church. On Sundays, I'll drive down Highland Road and pull up into this parking lot, and I just pray, Jesus, Lord, please, 
I know my family's going to be here. Please help a few other people show up. Coming here on first Wednesday, I hope somebody shows up to church on a Wednesday night. The kids aren't in school yet. We can stay out late. Lord, please help them to come to church. We worry about offerings. We worry about attendance. You know, we worry about a number of different things. Worry seems to be built into the way that a lot of us think and a lot of us live. And, and I feel like it's an important topic. I want to speak in practical terms because some of you are here today and you're casual worriers. I mean, just kind of, you know, nothing excessive, but you know, worry visits you from time to time. Maybe you have a big test or maybe there's a, a job interview or maybe there's a doctor's visit or a dentist appointment and it's the casual worry. But then some of you are chronic worriers. Some of you really are. I mean, chronic. I thought about this. My grandmother was a chronic worrier. She just, in my mind, and I can still see my grandmother, and, and she smoked cigarettes every day. I mean, to this day, when I smell smoke, I think of my Mimi. And she just, she'd stand in her kitchen, and she, she'd smoke a cigarette, and she would wring her hands, and she would just find something to worry about. I mean, our conversation centered around her fears. You know, years later then, I see my dad. Now, he will wring his hands and he finds something to worry about. And sometimes I'll talk to my dad and be like, Dad, how is everything? Well, I think it's okay, but I'm kind of nervous to admit that. You know, it's like if he doesn't have something, he's worried that he doesn't have anything to worry about. Come on, does anybody know anyone like this? Don't point at anybody in this place tonight. Some of you are casual worriers. Some of you are chronic worriers. Some of you are worry instigators. I mean, have you ever met a worry instigator? It's like you didn't know you need to worry about something until you talked to them about it. And it's like, man, I, I was just kind of cool until, you know, you just have this conversation and, and, you know, it's like, well, wait a second. Did, 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 you, did you hear about the cantaloupe in Colorado? You didn't hear about the recall of the cantaloupe in Colorado? I mean, people are getting sick of eating cantaloupe in Colorado. And you're like, oh, I think I had a fruit cup this morning. Am I pale? You, know, you didn't know you needed to worry. Come on, am I talking to anybody in here? And it just kind of, it, it kind of happens. You know, sometimes there are worry magnets. You know, one worrier finds another worrier and they go have lunch. Let me give you some quick worry facts, okay? I want to give you four quick facts, and then I want to give you three simple steps, and we're going to run the scriptures all throughout this. But if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, please know this about worry. Number one, worry always exaggerates what might happen. Worry always exaggerates what might happen. And here's the lean if, if fear and anxiety are your companions. They will talk to you, and they'll talk to you in hypotheticals. Do you know 99% of the things we worry about never happen? <laughs> now, I know for those of you that are serious worriers, you're thinking, yeah, but what about that 1%? <laughs> I know you said 99, but what about the one? Murphy's Law. Murphy lives at my house. Anything can go wrong, it will. You know, the, the, the challenge with living according to our worries is simply this. We will live in hypotheticals and we avoid reality. You see, worry has a way of taking something. We think, what if, what if, or what if this happens? And we're constantly running scenarios in our mind. Two weeks ago when I was laying in bed and I was staring at my ceiling and I was thinking through all the different scenarios, it was what if. And human nature is to go to the worst case scenario. 
We always say, women, well, if I do this, then this might happen. Then what about this? And one thing leads to the next thing. And next thing you know, you are way off base and you're living in a hypothetical and the Holy Spirit has to say, wait a second, come back to reality. I think for some of you tonight, it's going to be a reality check. God is going to dial you back into his presence. Can I have a good amen? And and that's the power of what I sensed even tonight when we were singing about the faithfulness of God. It dials us back into what's real. You see, fear has a way of exaggerating what might happen. And if we constantly live in hypotheticals, then we're going to be jumping through hoops, and I'm telling you, we will be exhausted. You can't live in hypotheticals. Number two, second quick fact, worry has a way of jumping on you when you least expect it. It'll just jump on you out of nowhere. Just a a, a random thought. How many knows what I'm talking about? You're totally unprepared. It's it's not like you're trying to feed into your fears, but a random thought will come in. Have any of you caught a case of the worries and it just surprised you? It's like, man, where where did that come from? Wow, how, how did I end up here? You see, the devil will always make sure that you and I have plenty to worry about. He's going to do everything within his power to feed and fuel that that natural side, that tendency of you to walk in fear and anxiety. I I was studying uh, the other day. In fact, we're preparing this Sunday. I'll talk a little bit out of 1 Kings. And I I love reading and studying about Elijah. And uh, Elijah, they called him the man of God. I mean, the scripture refers to him as the man of God. Fellas, how many like that? I'm trying to get my wife to refer to me. (laughs) I come in from, you know, a long day at work. I walk in. I'm like, no, no. Refer to me as the man of God. How many know that's not working out too well? But Elijah here, and we see in 1 Kings 18, I want you to consider this. In 1 Kings 18, there is this epic battle between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And you know what Elijah does. I mean, he literally calls down fire. How many know that's power? I mean, he defeats With the help of God, he single-handedly dismantles all the prophets of Baal, and he kills all of them, 850. That's power. And then there was a lady named Jezebel. Mm, Come on, hum at me. Mm. Jezebel threatens Elijah and says, may the Lord kill me if by tonight I don't end your life. And you know what Elijah did? He ran. He ran for his life. I'm thinking, wait a second. You just, I mean, you're the man of God. Uh, What happened between defeating 850 false prophets and then now some crazy woman threatening you? Come on now. And he ran for his life and he just wanted to die. And he says, Lord, it's just bad. Why don't you just take me? Just take me now. I'm thinking, Elijah, no. No, 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 no. You got more in you, and you're not making good use of it. Oh, hear me, saints. Hear me, brothers and sisters. I think if there's one message God's called me to remind you of, you've got something in you. you got a power in you that's greater than any challenge or issue in front of you, and you need to make better use of what God has placed in you. Come on, somebody say Amen. Sometimes worry has a way of jumping on you when you least expect it. Number three, worry will wear you out. Oh, it will wear you out. Have you ever noticed how much energy it takes to worry? It's exhausting. 
That's why I laid in bed two nights or two weeks ago. And man, I'm physically just tired. And I'm like, no, I, I can't do this anymore. It's I'm worked up in my mind. And it's almost even it's great. It's more strenuous than physical exercise. Some of you are here tonight and I feel this by the spirit. Some of you are here tonight and emotionally and spiritually you are spent. I mean, in fact, worry has physical implications. Some of you have have had migraines and you've had chronic sickness and your immune system has been compromised because of this thing called worry. It's an emotional condition that has a physical impact. Some of you are just so worn out tonight because you've invited the enemy of worry and fear to reside with you. You wake up in the morning and you have breakfast with Mr. Worry. You take Mr. Fear with you to work every day. There's a thing called anxiety that drinks coffee with you. And by the time your night is over with, then the stress tucks you in bed. And God's saying, it's time to kick all those companions out. It's time to clean some house. Jesus said, I died to give you so much more. I took all that stuff on me. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, come unto me, all who are tired and worn out, and I'll give you rest. Worry is exhausting. It's kind of like a rocking chair. I mean, it, it takes a little energy to rock it back and forth, but you're not getting anywhere. I, I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength to hear that. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it saps today of your strength. Let me give you this fourth fact, okay? Is this helping anybody? Four quick facts. Number four, worry subtracts God's best from your life. Worry doesn't add, it subtracts. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 27. He said, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Wait a second. When you're doing this thing called worry, when you're stressing over hypotheticals, when you're jumping through hoops, you're mentally and emotionally worn out, does it add anything to you? No, it subtracts. Listen, if you're in this room tonight and if you're short and you're worried about it, I'm telling you, you're not going to get any taller. (laughs) Right? It it, it doesn't happen. You see, God's trying to add something to you, but the enemy through stress, worry, anxiety, and fear is trying to take from you. The Bible says goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know what God's plan for you? It's not fear, it's faith. You know what God's plan for you? It's not stress, it's peace. God's plan for you is not anxiety. God's plan for you is confidence in Christ. Did you notice the song set that we sang tonight? I mean, the lineup, the the words, the lyrics are beautiful. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. I wonder if we sing those words and we minimize their impact. We're not realizing what we're saying. Wait a second. You're a child of God. That tells me that as a son, as a daughter of the Most High God, we are under his protective care. If you as a parent will do everything within your power to give your children everything that they need, how much more will your heavenly father, come on now, if we in our flesh 
know how to sacrifice personally so that our kids are taken care of, how much more will your heavenly Father give you everything you need? Worry doesn't add, it subtracts. You say, well, Mike, well, what, what do we do? What am I supposed to do? Well, the world's got, you know, a, a few comments about that. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Or don't worry. <laughs> Be happy. <sighs> I know it's bad. Disney kind of has a little line on it. Anybody seen The Lion King? Hakuna Matata. It means no worries for all the rest of your day. Come on. It's our problem free philosophy. Akun, akun, matata, akun, matata, akun. That's what the world would tell you. But I want you to know this. They don't say it like this book says it. All of that stuff, it's not original with Disney. It's not original with the singers and the songwriters. They took it right from this book. I want you to look at this scripture in Philippians chapter 4. This is the deal breaker, okay? Don't miss this passage. Philippians chapter 4, Paul penned these words to the church, and this is what he said in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, hey, here's a better alternative. Why waste all of your time, all of your energy? Uh, Don't take worry to work with you. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Okay, now let's just stop right here because this is rich. The the Bible says that instead of worry, we can endeavor in the practice of prayer. I'm going to tell you this. What you pray about, you don't have to worry about. Don't underestimate the power of prayer and communion with God. Instead of rolling those hypotheticals in your mind and all these scenarios and trying to figure it out and trying to control outcomes and trying to do this, if we would just pray and say, God, I can't, but Lord, I know that you can. Lord, this thing is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. God, I I don't know about the, 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 I feel like I got more month than I got money. Come on, somebody. And I don't understand the math. You know, according to my numbers, in fact, I was, I was teaching a Bible study earlier this morning. I talked to a group of people about the, the miracle of, of feeding the 5,000. Isn't it amazing how God took two fish and five loaves of bread? Two plus five equals what? Well, in, in Louisiana, we'd say two plus five equals seven. But in the kingdom of God, if you take two plus five and you put it in God's hand, it equals 5,000. Right? Are you with me? God, I, I don't know how. Okay, I, I got bills to pay. Lord, I know things are tight. God, I got this issue with my son, with my daughter. Lord, I got this challenge at work. Lord, you see the doctor's report I've been given. Lord, I don't know what to do, but Father, I'm trusting in you. Paul said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Okay, let me give you the opposite. If you're not praying about it, then you've got a lot to worry about. Because what you don't, when you don't consult the Lord, then I think you insult the Lord. And then you take it upon yourself to try to figure your issues out. I've just discovered that that surrendering to God is a whole lot better than me trying to fix my own problems. 
Now, I'm not saying we don't have personal responsibility and God doesn't give us common sense and, you know, all of those things, but we've got to pray. If we'll pray more, I think we'll worry less. Watch how this works. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then what? Tell God what you need and then thank him for what he has done. You know, one of the greatest remedies for worry is gratitude. I'm t- somebody need to write that down. Somebody write that down. B- because what you need to do is once you, when you pray, you tell the Lord what you need. God, you see this situation. Uh, uh, God, I need divine wisdom. Lord, Lord I'm going to need your help. God, I, I bring this before you. Then once you tell him what you need, then you thank him for all that he's done. Lord, you've been so faithful to me in the past. God, there was a night when I didn't know if my marriage was going to last, but God, you brought us through that and our marriage is stronger now than it's ever been. Lord, there was a season I didn't know about my children. They were away from you, but you honored the faithful prayers of a parent and God, you've blessed me. And Lord, I thank. And so you just begin to recall the faithfulness of God. And I'm telling you this, if you can look in your history and see God's faithfulness there, then you can look at your destiny and know that his faithfulness will meet you there too. Can I have a good amen? Thank him. You know what? Next time you get a case of fear or stress or anxiety kind of jump on you, you just start thanking God for everything that he's done. Lord, you brought me through that situation. I didn't think I'd ever make it out. Wow, God, I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. How many times did God have to remind the children of Israel, listen, whoa, Did you see everything I did back in Egypt? All those miracles? Remember everything that I had done? I parted the Red Sea for you. You walked on dry ground. If I parted the waters and delivered you from Egypt, don't you think I can bring water from a rock? I can feed you with manna from heaven. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. I'm telling you, Jesus said, I will supply all of your needs. Can I have a better amen? Oh, this is so good. This is the scriptures. This is don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Verse seven, then, everybody say then. Then Then you will experience what? How many of you, you just need a good dose of God's peace? Now listen, here's the beautiful thing about peace. Because God has not called you to live in pieces. He's called you to live in peace. Some of you feel like all you've got are pieces. And God's saying, no, 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 no. If you'll tell me what you need, you just begin to give thanks. Then there's this thing called peace. And the Bible says it's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. In other words, on the outside, it looks, if you were to look at your situation, all of your circumstances would say, you need to be afraid. But God's given you a peace that surpasses that under. I don't even understand it, but you know what? I got peace. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will do what? Will guard your heart and will guard your, oh, this is so good. God's peace is practical. It's not just a feeling. I want to tell you this. Peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Well, I felt the Holy Ghost there. 
Because some of you try, man, I just need to eliminate that problem. I need to get the thing out of my life. And man, I just, if, if she would go away and they would leave me alone in that situation. And whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Peace is not the, the subtraction of all your problems. Some of you, you've got a lot of stuff going on. And God will say right in the middle of all of that, I will give you the presence of Jesus. And that presence will give you a peace. Sometimes Jesus will calm the storm. Other times he will calm his child in the middle of that storm. But just remember that when the waves of that storm are over your head, they're still under Jesus' feet. You see, the Bible says that he would give us a peace that doesn't even make sense. And that peace will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Okay, now this is very practical. So the Bible says that we're telling God what we need. We're thanking him for what he's already done. We're positioning ourselves for peace. This peace doesn't always make sense based on our circumstances. But then the Bible gives us clear instruction. One final thing, he says, fix your thoughts. Set your mind. And he gives us six or seven things. He says, think on things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely. If there's any virtue or if there be any praise, Think on these things. Oh, don't you love what the Bible does? You see, now I I don't have to take stress and anxiety to school with me. Man, I can walk in perfect peace. Uh, I don't have to uh, have lunch and and worry uh, about everything that I can't solve. But you know what? I can surrender and I can give these things to the Lord. Is this helping anybody tonight? Now, let me give you, let me give you three quick things. And Oh, the clock is ticking. Let, let me hustle here. Here's how we find freedom. I'm going to skip a few of these things and, and get down to, to the nitty-gritty. Nacho libre. The nitty-gritty. Um, number one, practical things. Here's what I want you to do. Number one, here's how to find freedom. Number one, speak the word of God. Speak the word of God. It has to come out of your mouth. It has to come out of your mouth. You've got to speak God's word over your situation. Your spirit needs to hear the word of the Lord. I love what Proverbs says in chapter 12, verse 25. The Bible says, worry weighs us down, but a cheerful word picks us up. There's power in what you say. Listen, your words are containers of power. And I think sometimes, watch this, God's trying to give us peace. But we're so worried and stressed over things and all of our conversation centers around fear. God's trying to bring in faith, trying to bring peace, and we're undoing what God's trying to do because our words don't match his words. Do do you see how a positive and a negative, when they come together, they cancel each other out? Some of us are living at zero power level because our words, we're not speaking God's word over us. I'm going to tell you, speak, listen to this, speak what you seek. Speak what you seek. Okay, well, what is it that you're seeking for your marriage, for your children, for your future, in your finances? You need to begin to speak those things. You know, this past weekend, uh, Rachel and I took a couple of days to celebrate our anniversary, and we were coming back from uh, out of town. We went to Dallas. We were driving back in uh, on Sunday night, and as we were coming over the Mississippi River Bridge, we're coming down I-10, coming over into Baton Rouge. And I'm not trying to super spiritualize everything, but, but I, I just I saw the city of Baton Rouge, and I began to speak some things over this city. I, I felt almost 
and it, this may sound strange, and I'm not trying to be spooky, but almost in a prophetic sense, because I, I believe that cities have spiritual domains. You know, have you ever been in a place and just thought, man, this just feels wicked, you know? And I believe that there's a spirit realm that we don't always see, but we can sense. We're coming over the Mississippi River, and I begin to see this city that we love, the city that God has placed us here. And God dropped in my spirit Proverbs 11, 11. The Bible says the blessings of the upright build up the city. In other words, the righteous have a chance to build the city up. So I, I began to speak over the city of Baton Rouge. And I looked out and I, I saw the downtown area and, you know, that, that's the, 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 the Capitol building and the places of government. And I said, Lord, I, I pray that you'd give us righteous men and women in seats of government. But place the godly in authority. Proverbs 29, verse 2, the Bible says that when the godly are in authority, the nation rejoices. So I begin to speak, Lord, I just pray that you put godly men and women to serve in this community, Lord, and they would legislate according to your word, righteousness, truth, and standards of morality. I saw Tiger Stadium. I saw the PMAC. I began to speak over 35,000 students that call LSU their home. I said, Lord, I'm just believing that you're going to give us as a church a footprint onto that campus. God, I'm just believing that there's coming a revival among our students, our college young men and young women. God, you're going to raise up a generation that the world cannot change. As I begin to speak those things, I begin to speak over neighborhoods and communities. I saw our inner city. I said, Lord, I pray that you would redeem our inner city. A lot of people have moved out of the inner city. A lot of people have given up on the inner city. Lord, I thank you for our North Baton Rouge campus. God, I thank you for the Baton Rouge Dream Center. Lord, I thank you for Terry Franks, God. I thank you for the team. Lord, those that are serving and giving. Lord, all the seed that we've sown into this community over the years. Lord, I speak fruit, God. I call forth the fruit over the seeds that we've sown in the inner city. Hey, do you know, by the time I got to the 10-12 split, whoo, I was shouting. Man, I had done preach myself happy. I thought, Lord, may the glory of God just sweep me right up off this highway and take me on into heaven. And, and you know, you said, Michael, oh, you just kind of, no, I think there's power in our words. Scripture says in Proverbs 18, 21, the power of life and death is held right here in the tongue. And so, you know, when it comes to worry and fear, you got to begin to say over you what God says about you. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. Can I have a better amen? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, I got to hustle. I got to hustle. You see the secret to having it all? The secret to having it all is knowing that you already do. You have it in Christ. You, you have it in Jesus. It, because with Christ, we can do all things. Oh, I love that. The second thing, number two, not only do we speak the word of God, number two, we've got to cast our cares upon him. You need to cast your cares upon the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. That Greek word, I was the band to come up, the band to come up. That Greek word, casting all your cares, casting, it's, it's, it's a picture of a man who carries a heavy burden and he throws it upon the back of a camel. It's not like whatever he's carrying is so heavy and he just kind of throws it. He tosses it. The Bible says all of your worries, all of your fears, all of your stress, all of your anxiety, you throw it upon the Lord. It's not meant for you to carry. Guess what? God knows 
what you can sustain. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in what? In your weakness. So we speak God's word and then we cast our cares upon him. You see the lie, let me tell you quickly, the lie about worry is that through our worry, we can actually control the outcome. Let me tell you what I said was very powerful, okay? This is a powerful thought because in some irrational way, we stress and we worry over things and in kind of a crazy way, we think that by some effort of worry, we're going to be able to either eliminate or control the outcome. The Bible says you got to cast your cares. You know what casting is? There's no control. You've surrendered it. You see what I'm saying? Some of us have a hard time of surrendering things to the Lord. Oh, we'll, we'll pray about it. And we think we've laid it at the feet of Jesus only to reach right back down and pick it up. But that's why, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you, you come here and in this setting, you have peace. But as soon as you walk out there, come on now, you get in that car, you go back to your home, you go to your job, you, you hit your normal life. You're, this is the only sanctuary that you feel peace in. And God's saying, wait a second, you haven't casted it on me. You've never surrendered it. You have brief moments of peace. But it's few and far between. It's like bowling. How many have ever been bowling before? How many like to watch the people who bowl? That is so entertaining, is it not? Golly, that is fun. Because, I mean, if you're like me, I mean, you don't really know what you're doing. And you see people, man, they're throwing that bowling ball down the alley. And, you know, they kind of, it's funny because they'll, 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 they'll talk to that bowling ball. As it's going down the alley, you can see it, man. They're just, they're kind of waving. They're waving at it. You know, they hop on one foot. You know, they, they threaten it. You know, like they have some sort of magical control over the ball once it's left their hands. Now, now there are some things in bowling that you have control over. Footwork, you know, your, 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 your back, I guess that back swing, the point of release. You saw what I did right there. You saw that. I know it's pretty. <laughs> but the truth is this, when you, when you step to that line and when you release the ball, you got to let it go. Tell you, God's telling some of you tonight, okay, you've stepped to the line. Now look, there's some things you got to do right. There's some techniques. You got to speak God's word. You know, you got to confess what he speaks over you. But you know what? You're going to have to cast your cares. And when you let it go, baby, let it go. Release it. You catching this? Here's, here's, here's the last thought. Speak God's word. Cast your cares on him. And then rest in his promises. Oh, the promises of God. Yeah, rest in those promises. The Bible is filled with so many promises. In fact... You know, in our bookstore, we have a Bible book of promises. And, and I, I want to give you something practical that I think w w would help you. Some of you tonight, before you leave, and I, I know inventory, we don't have enough. We're going to have to order books if you want them. You need to sign up to order this book. 
God's promises. There, there are a number of different promise uh, Bibles that are out there. Pro book of Bible promises. Uh, this is King James. We've got one in the New Living Translation, which is what we teach out of on Sundays. It's over 700 scriptures, and they're all categorized on different topics. But promises in God's Word that you can know them, you can read them, you can speak them, you can memorize them, and you can rest in those promises. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 138, verse 2, all the promises of God are backed by the honor of his name. He doesn't just put it in his book, but he put his name to that promise and says, you know what? That promise is as good as the name that's backing it. And how many of you know there is no other name? Come on. Would you stand with me? Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm sorry for keeping you a little bit late. Hey, but the kids aren't in school tomorrow, are they? This is our last one. This is our last run at it before we got to lock into that family schedule. So we're going to stretch our legs a little bit tonight. Was this helpful to anyone? Okay. I do not want anybody losing a night of sleep, okay? All right, because now that we've got the tools, we're equipped. I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight. I'll tell you that. If I wake up in the middle of the night, have to use the bathroom like I sometimes do, like I always do now, uh, I'm going right back to bed. Because you know what? Man, I am, I'm speaking the word of God. I've casted my cares. And you know what? Every promise, I'm just going to rest in that. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.